Hey, it's Rochelle, and you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a production of Catholic Answers. Welcome to the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. Have you ever heard that there is a bridge that connects heaven to earth, like an actual bridge that souls can walk upon, for lack of a better word, as they journey towards heaven? Well, that is exactly what God the Father told Catherine of Siena. And Catherine of Siena is one of the doctors of the church, so we know that what she says is legit. And there are only 35 doctors of the church, meaning that there are only 35 souls that we recognize throughout the history of the church as being hard-hitting, authoritative figures when it comes to matters of theology. And just an interesting detail, there's only four women doctors of the church, and all four of those women are mystics. Catherine of Siena lived in Italy during the late 14th century, and she was a critical player in kind of the maybe... I want to say reform, but I don't know if that's a little bit too strong, but we'll just go with that for now. The reform of the church during the time when the church herself had been really badly infiltrated by some corrupt men. And just reading and learning about her while I was in grad school, I just think that Catherine of Siena is such a baller. But I love her mostly because of her mysticism. See, she wasn't educated, but we look to her as an authority in the church. The faith has been shaped by, our theology has been influenced by what Catherine of Siena has said and has written about our infinite and inconceivable God. And how, like, without any education, did she know more about God than almost anyone? It's because God himself told her about himself. What? I know. Like, just think about that. God himself told her about himself. She received everything that she wrote about and spoke about God the Father from God himself. That's crazy. Like, she had such a close relationship with God that he revealed himself to her to a degree in which he has rarely ever revealed himself. And this is why she's considered a mystic, because it's considered a mystical event when a person's soul has such direct access and connection to the divinity of God. Now, while I was studying St. Catherine's letters, her prayers, and her largest piece, which is a book that we now call The Dialogue, because that's what it is. It's a dialogue between her and God. A clear theme in all of her work is her immense concern for the welfare of souls. So that's basically what the dialogue is about. It's a conversation between her and God the Father about the spiritual welfare of the human soul. And so she asks the Father how souls can get to heaven. And that's when he tells her about the bridge. The bridge that stretches from earth to heaven. And get this, that bridge is literally the body of Jesus. Jesus's body bridges the gap between heaven and earth. The bridge of Christ has three stairs, and each stair is a wound of Christ. And each stair is also a stage 
in the spiritual life. So the wounds of Christ are stages in the spiritual life. And before I explain that, I feel like I should say that there's so much more to this bridge that the father discloses to Catherine in the dialogue. I mean, this bridge has buildings and shops and churches on it with cellars and all kinds of diversions that could either help the soul or hinder the soul on its journey to heaven. Dude, basically what I'm saying is you have to read it for yourself. It really, it's going to rock your world. But let's just stick to our business at hand, the wounds of Christ and the stages of the spiritual life. The first stair is the feet. And God the Father says it like this, just as the feet carry the body, the affections carry the soul. So when we are lifting our feet from the affections of this world, we are ridding ourselves of sin. And this is the first stage in the spiritual life. We tell sin basically to kick rocks. And then once you've kind of perfected this um, ridding yourself of sin stage, I mean, it's never truly perfected because we have waged a war on sin and we, we fight that war our whole life. But once you kind of get the hang of this stage, you can now climb from the feet of Christ to the wound in Christ's side, where we will be able to see his innermost heart. The side of Christ is the second wound, and it's the second stage. In his side, next to his heart, we can look upon it and we can begin to see the love of, that God has for our hearts, for our souls. And the natural, or maybe I should say the supernatural response of a soul who sees how tremendously God loves them is to allow itself to be filled with that love to the point of overflowing. And overflowing in love, the soul then strives to be like the one who loves it, and that would be God. And we do this by way of virtue. We grow in virtue. During this stage of the spiritual life, we, and I quote, we dress ourselves in the love of virtue. See, the virtues make the soul more like God. It they help us to grow in theosis. It advances us in our spiritual life or they advance us in our spiritual life. They also help our soul in that constant war that we have waged against sin. And after growing in virtue for quite some time, we can then progress by climbing to that third step. And that third step is the mouth of Christ. And I know you might be thinking, I don't think the mouth of Christ is technically one of his wounds, and you're not fully wrong. And I say that because, yes, it's not technically one of his wounds, but through his mouth, Christ was subjected to the gall and the vinegar while he was on the cross. Remember when he thirsted and they lifted up to him on a pole um, something to drink, and then it, it was filled with gall and with vinegar. So once at the mouth, the soul is able to find peace against that war that it had waged on sin. At that third stage in the spiritual life, the soul can taste peace. And something to keep in mind when you're reading accounts from mystics is that it's not uncommon for God to communicate with them using allegory and imagery and the meaning of those allegories or the imagery that he's provoking within them can change or it can morph. And it does that so that he's able to provide more depth and added dimension to what he's trying to communicate. Because remember, he's infinite and we're 
not. So our capacities are a little shy of what his are for understanding. But he does the best that he can with our human nature. And when you read the mystics, you'll realize that the best he can do is really, really a lot. I mean, it's just, I know that sounded like super uh, academic and <laughs> very emphatic to say a lot, but just, just read them and you'll know what I'm talking about. But when it comes to those allegories changing and morphing, the same is also true when God the Father talks to Catherine about the bridge. Because God the Father also tells Catherine that the three stairs of the bridge are made from the instruments of Christ's passion and his death. The wood of his cross and the pole that was raised to his mouth with the gall and the vinegar. The wood of the cross and the pole that was raised to his mouth with the gall and with the vinegar. Those pieces of wood are now going to be the three steps. The father identifies that two of those stairs are built from the wood of the cross, the vertical bar and the horizontal bar of the cross. And the third stair is from the wooden pole that was raised up to the Lord's mouth when he was thirsty. And meditating on the aspects of this bridge is where my head and my heart have been during this past week. Because last Sunday in the Byzantine Rite, we celebrated what we call Thomas Sunday, where we talk about, you know, it's dedicated to doubting Thomas, or should we say believing Thomas, because he believes once he's able to touch the wound of Christ. And so that made me think, yeah, Thomas had to touch the wound of Christ in order to believe, but we believe without seeing. And because of that in scripture, we see that we're called blessed. And maybe that's why through Catherine of Siena, God has offered us an invitation to enter the wounds of Christ, to begin the journey across the bridge that connects heaven and earth and live in Jesus and like quite literally live in Jesus in this instance. Through the wounds of Christ that saved us, we have been encouraged to enter. And maybe that might sound morbid to some people, but I think it's profound and it's not unthinkable. This is not an unthinkable motif within Christianity. The old Catholic prayer, the Anima Christi, if you've ever heard it, um, comes to mind here. And Anima Christi means soul of Christ. And in it, there are two lines that say, within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from me. See, the idea of the faithful, of us, not just adoring the wounds of Christ from a distance, but rather engaging with them up close and personal, this isn't a far-reaching idea. It's not a far-reaching devotion either. See, the wounds of Christ were part of the Lord's passion and death and resurrection, which brought about our salvation. Like, no question about that. But now, with this insight, with this revelation from God the Father to Catherine, which she has shared with the world, we can see that they're intended to take on a new personalistic meaning in our journey of salvation. And how can you resist that kind of invitation? So... Speaking of that invitation, try this week to sit with this imagery and construct the bridge in your mind, that bridge that reaches from heaven to earth, the body of Christ, and the three steps made from his wounds. Visit each one of them. Place yourself in them using your imagination, right? And then talk to Jesus, God the Father. Talk to them about the questions that you have concerning those stages 
of spiritual growth, or even about the wounds themselves, anything really that comes to mind while you're meditating upon this and putting yourself in these places, right? Have your own dialogue with the Lord. And really, please don't brush off this type of an exercise. You would really be surprised how many people think things like, okay, Rochelle, you've already given me the pieces here that I need to think about. All right. So I can picture the bridge in my mind. Yeah. Okay. Everything that you said. Okay. I I can see it in my mind. The way that you explained it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of interesting, but now I'm done. Or, or wait, no, there are other people who would be like, um, I was kind of hoping for something a little more challenging. Oh my goodness. Okay. My response to that is like, are you kidding me? Doing this type of exercise is actually a very challenging one. Like it's intellectually and spiritually, you are pushing yourself to expand your perceptions, to be a detective, to ask questions, hard questions, stupid questions work over and chew on your curiosities and sit with that stuff that might not make sense to you or that stuff that kind of makes sense, but it's just a little bit out of your grasp. And for me, that's frustrating to just sit with the stuff that I don't immediately understand. And while you're doing all of this, you're also bouncing back and forth between your headspace and your heart space, you know, like your soul. And and that's not an easy thing to do, to, to go back and forth between the two. Plus, plus, You have to be patient and wait for the Lord to answer you, to enlighten you, to give you some of that good old divine revelation, right? This type of exercise takes discipline. And so I really encourage you to do it, to really stretch and strengthen your spiritual muscle in this way. And don't just do it once. Try to do it every day for the week, because when you do that, What happens in the next day is going to be different from the first. It might build, it might grow, it might get deeper, or it might kind of take a full other direction, you know, like it might be totally different from the the first day or, or from the third day. Like do it continually because the Lord wants to continue to tell you more. And through that, you will also see the changing and the morphing of the things that you're talking about with him. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. If you cannot tell, I'm passionate about that type of thing. Anyways, so if today's topic was new to you, go ahead and share it with a friend. Pull out your phone right now and text a friend. If this is new to you, then it's probably new to other people in your life. Or if you just really enjoyed this type of information or you just had an enjoyable experience with me today on Clumsy Theosis, text a friend about it so that they can also have an enjoyable experience. We're all about sharing the love. And speaking of showing the love, do you subscribe to the Clumsy Theosis podcast? Serious question. If you do not, what are you waiting for? Right now, go and hit the subscribe button. Clumsy Theosis is available where all good podcasts are found. And I also do a lot of my hanging out on the Clumsy Theosis Instagram profile. So keep up with me there. Really, show me some love. Follow me there. Be my friend. I need more friends. Um, You can never have too many friends, especially good, solid Catholic friends. Uh, Send me your questions, your topic suggestions, where you're at in your spiritual life. I always respond. I always want to know where you're at and how we can grow together and strengthen the church. And until next week, everybody, peace out. Thank you for tuning in this week to Clumsy Theosis. Each week, we explore a topic within the Catholic faith, 
to aid listeners like yourself, as well as yours truly, in the advancement and deepening of the spiritual life and the personal ownership of our relationship with the big guy upstairs and his church. As cliche as it sounds, the world needs you. Become who you were created to be with Clumsy Theosis, the place to transform the world by transforming yourself.